Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. All right, good morning. Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We're continuing uh, discussing uh, some marks of a New Testament church, and we're working off of the nine marks, ninemarks.org. They're a cornerstone component of how we measure success in our church. And so today we're talking about transformation, Keith. And so transformation is a huge issue. It's a huge deal and absolutely essential for us to understand what transformation is. Um, now, if you if people haven't heard previously, we're not just talking about some mystical thing. We're talking about transformation as the result of the gospel. We talked right. about the good news last week. The gospel does, this good news does amazing things. So transformation. Keith, what, what is transformation? Why is transformation so important for us? So, uh, man, it's hard to even know where to begin. So transformation, um, from a Christian worldview, it, people may have heard maybe sanctification. Um, right. it's, um, it's the progressive becoming like Christ. It's the progression of us becoming like Christ. Right. So, um, again, that can be packed in so many different ways um, right. or unpacked in so many different ways. But um, it's, it's expected. Right. It's real. It's not something that is just like turning over a new leaf. Right. It's not a. It's not like joining a club or, or joining a. You know, deciding you're going to go on a new diet. It, right. It's something that's that is very very real and tangible. Yep. Um, as a, as a, as a result of the gospel and somebody re- embracing the gospel. Um, right. So man, it really just in a nutshell, it's becoming more like Christ. Yeah. Uh, as a result of. Faith, have placing your faith in Christ and then being empowered to do that. Absolutely. Which is something we'll have to sort of unpack. So there's almost, in what you said there, there are two parts. Yeah. This there, There's this part that becoming more like Christ, mm-hmm. but there's this part that gets me on the track of becoming more like mm-hmm. Christ. Yes. Because why do I want to be like Christ? What happened to me between this good news and wanting to be like Jesus, uh-huh. right? So, so there's there's something that has to happen, right? Yeah. So transformation being this essential because I think Jesus comes preaching a message, and and this word he throws out there in Mark one fourteen to fifteen, repent mm-hmm. and believe. Yeah. So repent and belief really go together. They're not separate things. You you know they that's another that could be another podcast. Repentance right. and belief. Yeah. <laughs> this, this order of salvation is sort of hanging out there. It's hanging out there, right? To, to, to maybe discuss or not, but yeah, so repentance and belief. Yeah, repentance and belief. So, so these these things, Jesus says, repent, believe this good news, the kingdom, and people respond. So, yeah. what is repentance? Right? There's this yeah. turning away. I'm turning back mm-hmm. from, and and now I'm believing in, and and people who do that in the Bible, they're different people. Yeah, and so there there is this thing in like theology called the order of salvation. So right. Some folks. I put a lot of energy into that. Some folks don't put a lot of energy into it. But even from a teaching standpoint, the order of salvation matters because right. sanctification is part of that right. order of salvation. Yes. But it comes after. Right. And what that after means can be debated. But at the end of the day, there's no sanctification yeah. without regeneration. Yes. So um, 
depending on which which camp you come from, right? In in the Protestant world, um, you, you may believe that that um, that regeneration comes in you know after this or before the other thing. But at the end of the day, this and this is the thing that for me is super important for people to get a hold of, and I've already mentioned it is transformation occurs because a real yep. transaction has occurred in the cosmos. Yeah. Like in the in in a believer, we talked about this last week when we talked about the gospel. Right. Human beings stand in two categories: those who are under the wrath of God, and those who are in Christ, forgiven, yeah. and heirs with Christ. That's in right. And and re- regeneration happens when a person places their faith. They recognize that they are lost, hopeless without any chance of flourishing in the world right. without God yeah. um, and, and that they're separate from God and that in Christ they, and because of their sin right, and they, they confess their sin and they repent. They say, look, I, I recognize that I am over here on this side of human history because right. of my own sin. Right. I need Christ. I need to be in Christ and, and the means by which he has made by death and resurrection on the cross to make me that gives me the ability to be saved, and I go, I need you, Jesus. Right. I completely submit to your authority in my life. And when that happens, and you place your faith, and you repent, you place your faith in Christ, and you repent, you're moved into a new standing. You now stand as an heir with Christ. That's a very real, it's as real as gravity. Yeah. Um, it's not imaginary, blah, blah, blah. Right. No, it's it's right. a transaction that occurs. And that trans, when that transaction occurs, right. the transformation begins. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Without that transformation, I mean, without that transaction, right. That right. Real, not I've joined a cause to make, to get the, my best life now. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I haven't right. done this so that, I, so that all these benefits that are going to accrue to me. Yeah. I've done it because I am broken. Right. The Holy Spirit has given me the ability to see my fallenness. Right. And as a result of that, my heart breaks. Yeah. I lay down on my face at the feet of Christ and say, please. Right. Thank you for what you've done for me. And then and then I, I move into this category of forgiven, heir with, heir with God in Christ. Yeah. And uh, the transformation then can begin because yeah. I'm regenerate. I love how you said it's as real as gravity. Yeah. And my mind starts to go into, you C.S. Lewis said, we live in this magical world, and he's right. So gravity is this unseen thing that's a reality. Mm-hmm. It's very magical. Transformation is is that transaction that takes place. You can't fake it. You can't fake gravity mm-hmm. unless you get out into space. Yeah. But right here on this earth, there's no faking, fighting against. It's a reality that you deal with. This transaction, the transformation that the good news brings is real. It's tangible. It's measurable. Right. And thus, sanctification, there's, you know, we talk about fruit production. Jesus mm-hmm. uses, you know them by their fruit. So it's measurable to some yeah. degree, not maybe judge in a judgmental fashion, right. but it, it's evidence. Like if I step off of the steps outside this building without properly taking each step one at a mm-hmm. time, and I just hop off, gravity is going to introduce itself yeah. violently. Yeah. Right? I, I wrote this thing. It's like a, it's a short story years and years ago about this, you know, you, you, a, a person walks into this room and they, they open up this door and they see this massive room and there's a people there. Mm-hmm. And they're all banged up and there's all these levels that they're trying and ladders and man, they're broken and banged up and you start talking to them and they they have no idea there's such a thing as gravity. 
right? <laughs> They're like, you know, we know we're banged up. We know we keep falling. It's kind of fun to fall because it's kind of exhilarating, but then boom, man, it's rough <laughs> when you hit. And then you go, look. Yeah. There's this thing called gravity. You start explaining to them. Right. You know, if you're not hanging on to something, you're going to hit the ground. And the next thing you know, right. they buy into it. Yeah. And suddenly, their bodies begin to heal. Right. And they begin to not suffer the consequences of ignoring this thing that can't be ignored. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the way transformation is in the life of a human being. That's good. Like, you either line your actions up to the world that God has created. Right. Or you suffer the consequences. Right. And it will happen. It will your ability to line yourself up, which is the transformation part, right. with the God, the world that God has made, right. not the world that we wish He made. Right. To the degree that you're able to do that is the degree that you will be transformed into the likeness of Christ, and then you will you will you, all that goodness right will accrue to you. That's right. But you can't simply make it up as you go. No, that's exactly right. There has to be something that happens. Yeah. And and for. Your story, which that's a fantastic story. I want to read your short story. That's good. It's short. You walk into this this room and you introduce gravity, and all of a sudden there's a change that happens, right? Well, the good news comes. The good news Mm -hmm. is powerful. And and this initiative of grace, Ezekiel 37, when um, Ezekiel's charged by God to go prophesy, Mm -hmm. preach, and he says, can these bones live? And he's like, Lord, only you know. Yeah. Go go preach to them. And he preaches, and they, boom, rattling. And mm-hmm. boom, they stand up. They respond to this preached good news. Mm-hmm. And then he says, now prophesy over them for the breath to come. In the, and he does. And wind comes from four corners of the earth, fills them in, in a living army. Mm-hmm. So, God, this, this good news goes forward from the mouth of a proclaimer, and it brings to life what was dead. Mm-hmm. And so... I can't talk about transformation without talking about God's initiative of grace. His power to me, to to anyone that it lands on effectively, Mm -hmm. to take me from death to life. Yeah, Yeah. when you you talk about that, um, I think about 2 Corinthians 4, where, um, where we learn that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Um, we see that that uh, in Ezekiel thirty six, the chapter before, right? He's like, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a new heart. Yeah, I'm gonna cause you. Basically, God says I'm gonna cause you to know these things, right? So that you will respond. I'm gonna cause you to know them. Yeah. Then I'm gonna cause you to obey them. That's right. God's the one who's doing it. That's right. And you know that's. Yeah, it, it, that can get that can get hairy, it, depending on the conversation you have after that. But at the end sure. of the day, it's very clear in the scriptures that prior to us believing, yeah, God sends grace. He does absolutely. Without the grace of God, yeah, we will be blinded forever. That's without right. hope in the world. Even my good, solid evangelical Methodist friends, uh, who would probably we're on we're on mm-hmm. different uh, ends of the spectrum in regard to the human capacity to mm-hmm. respond to that, mm-hmm. all right? And I think that's a different, that's almost a different conversation. Yeah. But they even talk about provenient grace. It's a cornerstone of Methodist theology. Mm-hmm. Provenient grace, meaning God gives grace proveniently in a fashion to to then somehow 
and I like to critique them here. It's like, well, what does it actually do so that you can do something, right? But but because because they have to wrestle with the biblical text that always puts God in this initiative place of being gracious to sinners. Yeah. That that and and, and by gracious I mean powerful toward that not only does he initiate this transformational thing that's taking place, it's powerful enough to override my fighting against it. Mm -hmm. And the presupposition that I don't want it, I am looking for it, I'm dead, I'm at war, I'm under condemnation, and somehow, all of a sudden, I'm a friendly, and I love, and I want, and I desire. And, and, And so it was God who did that work. Yeah, and so I don't want to sort of fly over this notion of grace because some folks may not know what we're talking about. Grace in the sense that human beings, we reject God. Yes. In the absence of some force. Right. Enlightening us. That's right. People hear the gospel, they reject it as utter nonsense. Right. The next person hears the gospel. Right. And it, it just it just falls all over them as man, that is right. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. The difference is God's grace to yeah. open the eyes of one. That's right. As opposed to the the other one who remains in their state state of fallenness essentially. That's so right. grace just simply means it's this power of God to open our eyes to what's true and right yeah. and just as opposed to the state that we were born into where we just reject it all, we're selfish, we're inwardly focused. And we, we just can't know. Absolutely. And I, I think the misuse of the word grace has always been a, a mystery for me because I always get it, particularly if you're in, in Christian leadership or in Christian leadership, you get a lot of if, if there's any level of accountability, whether for sin or for performance or anything, mm-hmm. usually that word gets used yeah. as a justification for a job poorly done <laughs> or it's okay for me to sin like that and how dare you say I shouldn't. Yeah. And if we use that word in that way and let it get used that way, we blind and hide the Bible's use of that word and that it is the power of God for good Mm -hmm. to wreck sin and bring Mm -hmm. life to bear. And that's what I need to see. That's what I have to have. I don't need to justify my sin. I don't need to justify poor performance. I need to be made alive. That's right. And if I blind, if if I don't, See grace appropriately. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss God's goodness to me, His yeah. power to me. Yeah. And so, transformation for me has to be. You know, we're talking about repentance, but that repentance can only come because God initiates this power toward mm-hmm. me. This, this unseen magical force. Mm-hmm. I was dead, and He resurrected me. Yeah, it's literally being reborn. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Yes. This 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 um, born again. I used to thought that was a, that was sort of a. I used to think that was a strange term. Yeah. But it's biblical language, and Jesus is telling Nicodemus, "You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't see the kingdom of heaven until you're born again." That's right. It's it's weird. You know, <laughs> right. Nicodemus is like, "What do you mean, man? Right. I can't be born again." Right. It's it's just another sort of pointer toward this notion that when a person um, when a person becomes adopted right. by God as a son yes. or a daughter, it's because a very real transaction has happened and you're literally born again. Yes, absolutely. You're made new. And so transformation has to begin there. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about the order of salvation, yeah. right? There, there's So in that order, yeah. what comes first? 
Well, the Bible's very clear that right. God elects yeah. people. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, whether or not, again, that, that I don't want to get into the weeds on that. It's just basically simply that God elects others and he sends out a call. Yeah. He sends out a call. And with the call, mm-hmm. people respond. Yeah. Right. Once the call goes out, um, he sends out his grace in some way, whether it's provenient grace or, um, you know, irresistible grace doesn't really matter. He, he sends out this grace. Yeah. And then human beings, it hits me. Right. And for whatever reason, I go, that's right. Yeah. And when I, when I, when I, that call hits my heart in the right way. Yeah. Immediately I'm given eyes to see. Right. Ears to hear, right? Because I've been given a regenerate heart. My That's heart's right. been regenerated. It's ta- it's been taken from the dead category to the live category. Yeah. Because it's now living, it can understand. Yeah. And it can recognize my own sin, and it leads me toward conversion. Yeah. Conversion meaning repentance and faith. That's right. So I I go because God has sent out this call. My heart's been able to hear it and understand it. Mm-hmm. My eyes open. My ears are able to hear now. I repent through faith and I'm converted. Yeah. I'm converted into a category to where God can now say to me that the wrath that you used to sit under, it's been justified. Right. You are now justified yeah. through Christ because of your faith and repentance. That's right. right. That's right. So you're justified and because you're justified, now you're adopted. Yeah. That's right. Now you're one of mine. Yep. Forever. Yep. It can't be taken away. Yep. So now you've gone from the category of my wrath to a category of adopted as an heir with Christ in my kingdom. And then from there begins sanctification. It yeah. begins the process of becoming. Right. It's not It's not the, the transformation process. We. I don't know if the listeners would remember, but we talked to Les Gross about discipleship. Right. And transformation was one of his categories of discipleship. And one of the things that Les kind of said was, look, this is a progressive thing. That's right. So sanctification or transformation doesn't happen the day you're saved completely. Right. Now, we're given everything that we need for godliness. That's right. That moment. That's right. It's, it's granted to us immediately. But... The process then begins, the theological term is sanctification, yeah. and we become, that day, because we're reborn, we're a new creation. Old things have gone. That's right. That's right. The new things have come. That's right. Therefore, we begin to transform into this creature that longs for the Spirit of God and things of the Spirit of God, things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things are the; those are the marks yeah. of a regenerate That's right. heart. That's right. Born again, right? New, right? Yes. I was born in Adam because I'm born from human, human beings. But God, in this powerful good news, has birthed me newly mm-hmm. from the second Adam. I know that's theological language, but the second Adam being Jesus. Now, I'm born not just of woman. I'm born of heaven, mm-hmm. born new, yeah. transformed, and that's rich. That's rich. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, um, and I, I, I want to really, let's, when we come back, let's talk about, um, let's get in the dirt and talk about the measurability of transformation a little bit. Okay. You talked about this fruit, so we're going to come back and we'll talk about it. Okay, Keith, 
let's talk about uh, transformation. Because we can talk about transformation. You talk about the fruit of the Spirit, all right? Um, that these things are now marking us on this journey now, this process of becoming like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, um, clearly, we are not uh, what would be termed in, in theological language legalists. We are not even close, are we? <laughs> meaning legalism, meaning that we believe you earn favor with God or your salvation by your performance. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ right. alone. Meaning, I did nothing to earn it. I can do nothing to lose it. It is merely of His power and goodness toward me in Christ. Right. Okay? However, the Bible is also clear that you will know them by their fruit. The fruit of this now promised Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Mm-hmm. Depending on the, I, I memorized it, I think, in NASB like 100 years ago. <laughs> depending yeah. on how those last three go, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, mm-hmm. right? So against such things, there's no law. So indulge, overindulge, have all that you want. So how do we measure? How do we look in, 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 in a discipleship relationship? How do we look at each other and say, for accountability say, yeah. hey, man, I'm not feeling the love, right? right. Where's the joy? So um, I think it would be, so what you're basically assuming in the in this conversation is that we expect change. We expect transformation. Transformation is something that isn't, well, there's this category of Christianhood that right. you don't really, you, you, there's very little transformation and then there's this other category of Christianhood where, you know, the person really becomes transformed. And then there's this, this next level where, man, these guys are like preachers and missionaries. And, man, these guys' lives are really transformed. Right. That's nonsense. That's not a biblical view of sanctification and transformation. We're all, every single one of us, right. born into Christ and born into these fruits. Right. So we would expect from ourselves— First, yeah, and from everybody else that we're in community with and worldwide, the Bride of Christ, that the the church, worldwide church, is going to look different than the rest of the world, who isn't regenerate. That's right. So, um, we we expect a change. That change is going to be manifest through fruits of the spirit. Right. And I think one of the things um, that I think is important to say is that. You know, transformation occurs sort of in I, I, the way I see it in three categories. There's there's transformation in individually, and I would throw in your family with that. There's transformation of the family right. in the body of Christ. There's transformation in the church. Right. So the the the, the Christian family looks different. Right. The church, the kingdom, looks different, and then our world, right. even lost people, should benefit and look different. Yeah, because Christians are in the world, right? right? So there's there's three levels of transformation that would occur in our world as a result of this process where by which mm. God saves us. Yeah. So what what I would expect um, for the, the the important thing I'm trying to get at is the community is essential in transformation. Yes. Like I can't transform. Right. Um, the Spirit of God is in me in a way in which I'm empowered to be different. Right. Okay. The Spirit gives me understanding. Right. Gives me knowledge and gives me power to obey. But the way God built it, the mm-hmm. way God built human beings, even before the fall, right, 
is to exist in community. That's right. So when you ask me, how can I measure it? One of the ways I measure myself is through folks like you and my elders in my church and folks that I meet with that I'm accountable to that have poured into me and I've poured into them. We've invested in one another. Right. That community. Yeah. Not strangers. That's right. But that community helps me understand when and encourages me. Right. You're not the guy you were 10 years ago. Right. My wife. Listen, you're becoming the man you wanted to be when we got married. Right. And in the same sense, that same group is coming to me saying, Mm. you know, but there's a part of you that hadn't made much progress. And (laughs) we see that part clearer probably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we see it. But that's that's so. Right. How do we tell? I think we tell, number one, the spirit speaks to me. And lets me know if I'm willing to hear right. areas of my life that, that need to be um, changed and where I can improve, but also where I've made great strides. Right. And the body of Christ also, through things like church discipline and also fellowship, helps me know That's good. where I am. I think uh, when, when, you brought, when you bring up the beginning at the basic structure of society, mm-hmm. family, my mind instantly goes to that fruit of the Spirit. And, and none of that... Um, well, let me say it a different way. Implicit in all that fruit is some manner of community connection. Right. I can't love in isolation. Mm. Like there's no way. I mean, self-love. Okay. But as a Christian, love is expressed in a trinitarian, trinitarian manner. God right. is God exists eternally in community. And so implicit in love is that I need to love someone. Mm-hmm. Jesus even said, love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. even love your enemies. Joy. What good is joy if it's not shared? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, joy that's just constantly internal, um, that's a problem. Yeah. Right? Pa- I can't be patient <laughs> unless I'm around somebody that challenges <laughs> right. patience, right? Which is, which is a blessing to you. It is. When the Bible right. tells us to bear with one another in community, yes. that's for the sake of the person who's being bared with. That's right. But it's just as much for the sake of you. That's right. You practice patience, you become more like Christ. It's like it's creating something in you when you would submit yourself to that process. Yes, absolutely. That's huge. I look at the, the, an example that comes to mind, uh, transformation and its stark nature is Judas versus Peter. Mm. And, and the measurable nature. You know, we get a glimpse about Judas throughout the narrative of the Gospels that Judas was a thief. He was stealing from the common purse for ministry. Mm. Um, and and when the chips were down, he sold Jesus out for a few pieces of silver. And then when he threw it back at him, he went and hung himself. Mm. Peter, who is passionate, always stuck his foot in his mouth. Um, when the chips were down, denied he knew the Lord, mm. but went out and wept bitterly. Mm-hmm. Repented, and Jesus restored him. Right. And so there's a tangible nature to Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, mm-hmm. and you see it in the life of Judas. I think the life of Peter. Yeah. And 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 so there's a measurableness to it that we're accountable to one another for. Yeah. And and I would like to, in in, a, in some manner of imagination, think that if Judas went and wept and was repentant, there's no way the Lord wouldn't restore yeah. him. I mean, Peter. What Peter did was no less nefarious. Right. No less nefarious. Yeah. It's just Peter's response was different, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and and the Lord said to Peter, hey, you're mine. Yeah, Peter's, Peter's sin didn't 
the sin alone didn't um, tell the whole story about the condition of Peter's heart. That's right. Um, it's it's his pattern of life that right. really exposed the condition of Peter's heart. That's right. Peter's Peter's sin created brokenness in him. Yeah. Um, to what to whatever degree um, we really don't know. It didn't seem that Judas's sin did the same thing in him. His sin created a hopelessness in him. Yeah. Yeah. That that didn't that didn't kind of come around. But you know, when we're having this conversation, I think about First John two. And we, we hear John saying, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. So many people who are speaking out against Christ have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. Right. But they were not of us. Yeah. For if they had been of us, they would, not have, continu- they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. John is, is drawing this, this clear distinction between there's there's two kinds of folks in the world, and and you can tell right which ones are of us yeah and which ones aren't of us that's right now I don't think John's saying you can tell I can meet you today shake your hand and know immediately whether you're sent whether you're born again or not right but Paul I mean uh, John would lead us to believe that if you pay attention long enough right. you can recognize yep. the wheat from the tares you can recognize the sheep from the wolves that's right. Jesus and his parables are like, look, there's two kinds of people in the world. We can know, yeah. Mitch. Yeah. Transformation um, should happen, yeah. and when it happens, it's recognizable. That's right. It's, it has to be evident. Right. The Lord treated it as evident. Yes. The parable of the path, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and the good soil. Mm. There was distinction, yeah. and only one of those responded appropriately. Mm. Right. The the wheat and the tares. Right. Yeah. So so there is something to measure, and that's the standard of our accountability for transformation. Okay. Last word. We're right out of time. So oh. Keith, last word on transformation um, for you, and then I'll 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 have a last thought. All right, last word on transformation. What do I want to say? Um, transformation is uh, I, so. Here, here's what I'll say. I'll say, like in the in the mind of, if you stand outside of a doctor's office, and um, the people who are coming out of the doctor's office who got a diagnosis that they didn't like, right? Those folks aren't necessarily, typically, aren't coming out of there hating on the doctor, right? Because he's done this work and he's found something that they need treatment for. Right. They're thankful. Right. 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 Then you got the ones who come out. They got the good. They got the good report. The test was negative. You're, you're going to be okay, kind of thing. Those folks are super thankful too. This whole business of transformation, it's for our good. Yes. And life in the community. Um, if if you're living inside of a, of a community and and somehow it's brought out that there are parts of your life that need work, that's a blessing to us, right? Yes. We should be open to that. Yes. And so the the part that one of the things I love about being in community is that it's it's so necessary for that transformation process. And the community of, of God, uh, the community of the kingdom helps me become the person that I need to become. It helps yeah. me become the person that God has created me to become. Yeah. So transformation um it's something that I should see in my life. It's something I should long for. It's something I should submit myself to the authority of the church to yeah. help me become. Yes. The institutions that God has, has put together, like marriage, helps me yeah. become transformed. And then lastly, I guess I'll just say that as a warning, and as a, as a not, not even as a warning, but just, I don't know, just a useful bit of information is that um, 
that transformation is accompanied by affections. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a transformation of my heart. That's right. If I find myself in a position where I don't, I, I can't muster longing yeah. for things of the Lord. Yeah. If I find myself in a position where uh, my emotions aren't engaged when I read my Bible, when I'm at the church, when I think about eternal things, it should be a, at least a yellow flag in my life, maybe a red flag in my life that, listen, Regeneration is accompanied by a heart change. That's right. Not perfection. Doesn't mean you, you, you mess up. But when you mess up, is there, is there a, just like a brokenness? Does your heart get engaged in this transformation process? Mm-hmm. Because it should. It's, it's both um, the will. Yes. It's the affections. That's right. And the intellect. They all have to be involved in this process. So That's right. That's oh, good. there's so much that can be said, but I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there is. Second Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves daily to see mm-hmm. whether you're in the faith. Right. Do not realize Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail to meet the mm-hmm. test. That I have a love-hate relationship with sanctification, <laughs> transformation, because I hate being corrected. Because I like to be—I I, I pride myself on being hard on myself and trying to be right. Yeah. And when I fail at that and am wrong and am corrected, I hate it. I hate it on two fronts. I hate, number one, that I was wrong. Mm. I hate, number two, that somebody else saw that I was wrong. But I love it because at the end of it, there's joy, mm. and I can't explain it. This is the love-hate, and the the only explanation is it's the supernatural work of mm-hmm. God. Uh, because to hate it and then turn around and go, that was right, and I enjoy it, is counterintuitive to my wiring and I think to just logic. Mm-hmm. And I love it because I realized somebody loved me enough and was willing enough mm. to do it. But But then the joy comes in that, it feels good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. I have grown yeah. in some manner of joy, and and that examination happened by somebody shared with me, uh, took me closer to being more like Jesus. And so I would say to anybody who's listening to this, and you've ran from that kind of correction, you're never going to have joy, mm-hmm. and you're never going to be at peace until you embrace that love, because it is a process. And it's a process full of hope, not despair, um, because he's promised he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it in the day of Christ. So if, if you're running from it, submit to it. You said that word submit is precious part of mm-hmm. transformation. Mm-hmm. And then if you're in the middle of it and you're stuck, don't lose hope. Mm-hmm. Keep grinding yeah. it out. He will finish what he started. He never promised it would all be easy, but he promised he would finish it. Mm-hmm. So whatever is happening, keep grinding yeah. it out. It will be worth it. Right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions that you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.